Crosspoint family, good morning and welcome to everybody. You may have a seat. So great to see everyone. I'll borrow that, Jose. I don't think he heard me. I want to welcome everybody. It's really great to see you. You know, I have to share this with you. I'm looking as you're coming in, not to see if you're on time or anything. Although we did talk about a couple months ago, it'd be great if you get here like 15 minutes before, just to be able to catch up with one another, get to know people, very important. Uh, but we're happy that you're here. But I can't help but realize and see and notice that there's a lot of you that haven't been with us for a very long time. I'm talking maybe a few months. <clears throat> so uh, I think I counted about 25 of you just right now that haven't been with us for a long time. So we're going to set up a get to know the pastor and church leaders pretty soon, maybe a lunch that we're going to invite you to. And, uh, but just know that we're happy to have you. If this is your first time, we're thrilled to, to have you here with us. I want to encourage you to go to crosspointchristianchurch.com, scroll all the way down, and you'll see a small contact form that'll take you literally a couple minutes to fill out, and that just allows us to be able to stay in contact with you, send you emails like the weekly newsletter that we get on Saturday evenings, full of uh, information, inspiration, and events that are coming up. We would like for you to be aware of that and um, just get you to feel part of not just feel, but be part of, of Crosspoint and everything that God is doing here. So welcome, we're happy and uh, blessed to have you here with us. Um, <clears throat> there's a couple of announcements that I want to share with you, things that are coming up that you want to be aware of. And um, let's start by saying a couple of easy ones. One is that the couples in our church are going to be having a gathering. We're going to get together, have dinner. Uh, we're going to have a guest speaker. That's on the 15th, which is next, this coming Sunday, right? A week from today. So for those of you that are planning on being here but have not signed up, we really would appreciate you signing up. Go online, crosspointchristianchurch.com. Look at those slides that are announcements. Click on the one that talks about the couples, and you'll be able to sign up there and even pay. It's $20 per, per couple. I think you'll be blessed if you're here. Uh, we'll be blessed if you join us. Uh, we hope to have a great group. Invite a couple of people, a couple of friends that could use a little bit of a date night out and still hear the word and uh, maybe get to know uh, some, some people here from the church. That's on the 15th. I believe it's at 5. Uh, then the Saturday after that, see, the men are going to be all excited, you know, went on a date with their wives, heard the word. And the Saturday after that, the men are going to have a stake and study. And so that's going to be at my house. I believe we're doing $10 for that. You could also go to crosspointchristianchurch.com and register there and pay online. Uh, I would really hope that we're, we're thinking anybody, any gentleman, any man, any guys around 15 years old and over uh, are welcome to attend, and we're looking forward to having a great group. Normally, when we go to camps or men conferences, we get about as many as 60 men from our church, so we're hoping to get about that many at least. To, to come out and just spend some time with guys and be in the Word, uh, be encouraged, be held accountable, maybe build some new friendships and, uh, and get in the battle as men. We have so much to do. We have such a privilege and a responsibility as men to lead, protect, provide, and we got to do it together. We got to do it together. So I invite you to that. Uh, again, go online and take care of that registration. The sooner you do it, the better, because then we know how many people to buy food for, you know, how many ribeyes to purchase, all that good stuff, you know? If you show up and you sign the blade, you may not. You'll just get the study, but no stake. So sign up, sign up. And uh, let's see. 
I'm excited to say that starting next week, we're going to start having these ministries that we've been talking about for a couple of months. You know, these ministries that we're collaborating with, some of them are ministries that are in-house that we have been running uh, for, for years, some of them, even decades. Uh, some are brand new to us. And so starting next week, we're going to be bringing one ministry at a time. They're going to come, introduce themselves, let us know who they are, what they do, how we're going to collaborate uh, that gives you a great opportunity to just hear. There's going to be about 12 presentations like that. Uh, we're hoping to be able to do every week, but in the next two, three months, we hope to have uh, all the ministries that we're collaborating with officially here to present themselves for you to get to know them. After they present themselves, if they have flyers, information, if you're interested in asking them questions, they'll be outside with the booth. Um, but we're really excited. The idea there is that our discipleship process. And I was talking about somebody this week, and they said, uh, do we have membership at, at Crosspoint? We don't have official membership, but look, how do you know if you belong to Crosspoint? You come to church on Sunday mornings regularly. You've committed to growth, and you've, you attend. You're part of a growth group. And then you're seeking to serve this world with God's love through service teams. If you do those three, that's what we're about. We're about being disciples and making disciples. And if you're doing those three things, then you are a cross point. All right? So I would encourage you to, to think about that. As you hear these ministries, you're going to have opportunities to, to maybe uh, uh, contribute financially to their ministries as the church is going to do. Um, you'll be able to talk to them about maybe serving in some capacity at their facility or, or with their ministry, and there's going to be a range, a great range for everybody to be involved, um, from orphanages to evangelistic outreaches through sports, uh, just youth, elderly, uh, orphans, the, the works. We, I think we, we've assembled a great variety that represents, uh, probably covers just about everybody that, that needs help. And so we're hoping that that is something that gets us all started and thinking about what is it that God has me here for. So that'll be starting next week. Okay, so let me spend a couple of minutes on, on this announcement, which is very important. This month of August, we're off for our growth groups, right? So 150 of you signed up for growth groups. Some of you kind of like, eh, you didn't do great. You weren't as consistent. Some of you guys dropped off. And uh, some of you guys kind of started off slow, picked it up at the end. Some of you guys started really strong, and then you kind of withered. That's in the past. That's in the past. Starting today, um, if you go to crosspointchristianchurch.com forward slash growth groups, I'll double check that right now before. <laughs> uh, that sounded really good though, right? That sounded like that, that, that should be it. I know Sarah's watching right now. She's like, oh, I can't believe he messed that one up. Uh, you, the reason why I mentioned that is because for the trimester three or the fall growth groups, uh, everybody needs to sign up to a new group. If you're thinking like, no, I have to stay in my group, uh, talk to your group leader, and, and maybe you do need to, whether it's because of scheduling or maybe it's because of uh, uh, you know, distance to your home, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Um, so we're not going to be sticklers about you having to move, but we are hoping that at least 80% of us switch groups. I really, really genuinely love my group. Uh, towards the end, there was like 20 of us, great group, great growth, awesome relationships, um, but we, we want to continue to switch because there's other great leaders that I want my former uh, group members to meet, grow from, establish new relationships, 
And so I know for some of you that are kind of, mm, you know, you find it really hard to change and uh, it'll be difficult for you, but, but trust in the Lord that he has something great for you in this coming up, in this group coming up. And then we'll continue to switch. The idea is that Crosspoint becomes this big growth group, really. That's the idea, that we would all know each other, that we would know your needs, that we would know each other's pains and difficulties and troubles, and we could pray for one another, and not just, we don't want to end up with like 12 little groups at Crosspoint. That's not the point. All right, if you belong at Crosspoint, we are brothers and sisters. We're committed to this group, this local community, and the more people you get to know and more relationships you build, the better. All right? So go to crosspointchristianchurch.com starting today. Uh, Sign-ups will be open for three weeks. So don't wait till the end because, you know, you might find a group that you really want to sign up to, and if you wait, it might be full. Uh, I think we're going to cap it at around 12 or 15 people, and then after that, we'll have to try to squeeze people in, or, or you might end up in a group that's not ideal for you at the time. So go to crosspointchristianchurch.com forward slash growth groups, which I think is what I said, and uh, you could sign up there starting today. If you have any questions, please see me, any of the elders. I uh, can probably answer, answer your questions. When you go online, you'll see the different options that are available. Uh, most of us are going to be using a book by Francis Chan called Multiply. It's all about becoming, being a disciple, and making disciples. And, and boy, how do you know if you're a disciple of Christ? Well, you're growing, you're following him, you're obeying him, and you are making disciples. Because when the Lord called disciples unto himself, he called them unto himself so that they could be disciple makers. He said, I will make you fishers of men. That's what we've been talking about. All right? So if you're wondering, like, am I a disciple? Are you discipling others? And if you are, then yeah, that sounds like you're on your way to be a good disciple. If you've been coming to church and you have no desire to disciple anyone or you're just too scared or too whatever, then you are not a biblically sound disciple and we want to change that. And I think this curriculum is going to help. There is going to be one group that's going to meet on Sundays, I believe. Uh, it's online. That is going to not use the book Multiply, but it's going to do an in-depth study of the, uh, a book of the Bible. I believe it's the Gospel according to John. Um, so there's, there's at least a couple of options curriculum-wise. And then also, I just want to throw this out there, that as we are, the rest of us, as most of us are reading uh, and using the book Multiply, there's also going to be a reading plan for all of us to be reading one chapter a day together. So hopefully within your group and even as a church, we're going to get together and know that this week we're going to read Philippians. Next week we're going to be reading 1st, 2nd Peter or whatever. Uh, so one chapter uh, a day, everybody together. And uh, you'll be able to get together your group or just see anyone say, hey, that reading in James, wasn't that awesome? Yeah, you could talk about that. Because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes we get together even as Christians and then we don't even talk about the Word. We don't even talk about the Lord. And that, I think that's a shame. Uh, we should take every opportunity when we meet to encourage one another through His Word. And now we're going to have some commonality as we are reading together. All right. That is it for, for announcements, and we still have all kinds of time that I'm sure is going to run out really quick. So uh, let's get right to it. The last three weeks, we've been talking about serving, about the work of Christ, what the Christian work looks like, what it is. Today, I want to talk to you about uh, the title, I think, is very descriptive of what we're going to be dealing with, but it's, it's entitled, this morning's message, Dangers While Serving. 
dangers while serving. So we're saying, hey, we want everybody to serve. We want everybody to be in a service team. We want everybody to make disciples. We want everybody to be actively serving here at church and outside of church. Well, I feel a great burden burden to, to share with you some of these dangers in serving. I've been, by God's grace, serving the Lord for over 25 years, what, 30, I don't know, lost count. And I've seen and I've felt and I've dealt with a lot of these things. And so I want to share this with you. If you're thinking like, but I don't even serve the Lord. Well, let's fix that. But please keep in mind what we're going to be talking about. Because if you haven't experienced this, chances are you will experience it. If you're serving the Lord in any capacity, chances are you've experienced some of these points that we're going to be talking about, or you will be. All right? So dangers while serving. We're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 10. But before that, before we do, see, I'm so excited about sharing this message. But I'm also very excited about getting together with you and being able to celebrate and remember what the Lord did for us. So if you have um, a little guy like this here, the elements, the bread, and the juice. We want to look at Luke, sorry, Mark 10, verse 45. And so I'm going, to use, I'm going to use this verse to prepare us to take communion, but it's also the key verse for the message, and you'll see why. If you didn't get one of these on your way and you would like to participate, just raise your hand and we'll have Jason come around and uh, provide you one. We're going to start fining people for not getting there. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> Saw some hands go down all of a sudden. No, I'm kidding. So listen to Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, and that is a direct, specific, and clear reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. For even the Son of Man did not come to be saved, served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the reason why I want to use this as a starting point for our message in a little bit too is because it talks about how even Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Anointed One, the Christ, the Eternal God who became human, says even he did not come into this world to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so, for the message, the idea that the eternal creator, even he did not come and just say, okay, now serve me. What are you guys going to do for me? But instead, he came and he served. And that has to be a clear and powerful example for all of us, that if you're here and you're a child of God, you are here to serve. You're here to serve. And don't worry about, but how, and what am I going to do, and how am I going to do it? Don't worry about that stuff. Worry about your heart. Worry about following the Lord. Worry about putting yourself in His hands and just say, Lord, I know I'm not worthy. I know I don't have much, but please use my life for something greater than myself, for your honor and your glory. And I assure you, beloved, as you follow Him, He will direct you. He will lead you, and He will make clear what He wants you to do. And that is exciting. So, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And then, for the purposes of celebrating communion, and to give his life a ransom for many. He came with that purpose, beloved, to give his very life as a payment for your sin. See, the Bible says that we've all sinned, and the Bible also says that the payment of sin is death. 
And there's no escaping that. I am fascinated, I dare say, with the idea that all of us are going to leave this earth sooner than we would like for most of us. Before you know it, we will all be gone. The Bible says we're all sinners, and the Bible says because of our sin, we all die. And there's no exception because we're all sinners. Isn't that awesome how the Bible explains why everything and everyone dies? But then he says, but he came to give his life, his perfect sinless life, as a ransom or as the payment for we, had, we were being kept captive. We were slaves to sin and death. And he came to rescue us. How? By giving his own life for us. Romans 5.8, I will never be tired of sharing this verse with you. He says, but God demonstrates his love towards you in that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you and for me, for us. So even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So as you peel back the first layer, they take the bread. And this bread represents the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hung on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago in our place. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the Jews that represents, reminds us of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ shed on our behalf for the sins of the world. Let's take that together. And let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much. As we celebrate communion, make remembrance of your sacrifice, of you giving your one and only begotten Son for this world, for us. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, for you taking on that task and being willing to come and suffer and give your life as a payment for our sin. We thank you. And Holy Spirit, it's only because of you that we're able to know, understand, and believe by faith these truths. So we're grateful and we thank you. Thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here this morning. For those who are joining us online, we're grateful. For those who will be watching this via recording later on, we pray, Father, that you would be glorified. Please teach us, guide us, that we would live a life worthy of your calling. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, beloved. I think we're going to pass by and pick those up. So as I mentioned before, this morning... The message is entitled, Dangers While Serving. And again, our hope is that everybody, all of us, as we continue to attend Crosspoint, that we would serve here at church, but that we would also serve outside of these four walls. That we would share the gospel. And many times, serving the world with God's love allows us to earn the right to share the gospel. Do you have to earn the right? No. You can share the gospel with somebody who you've never known or met but I think most of us have experience where when you have a relationship, you kind of earn the right for people to hear you, especially people that are antagonistic towards the gospel. When they know that you care for them, that you love them, you're able to tell them that God loves them, and they're able to see a parallel between God's love and your love for them. And so we want to serve the world with love. And the most important thing that we could do and the most loving thing that we could ever do for anyone is to share the gospel with them. So as we serve, as we grow and as we serve, 
I want to talk about the dangers while serving. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I would imagine once again that this is a story that is very familiar to most of us. It's a story of, of two women. It's a story of the Lord visiting a family. And what we want to do is, is take a look at, and really most of our, our message is going to be focused on verse 40, out of one, uh, one verse, verse 40. We have five points, so we're going to, we're going to try to move along here quickly. So Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, we are introduced by Luke to an interesting family. In this case, two sisters, Martha and Mary. Uh, Martha and Mary are also mentioned later on uh, in Luke, but also in John. Uh, Martha and Mary had a very famous brother named Lazarus who got sick and died, and the Lord brought him back to life after being in the grave for four days. So this is the Martha and Mary that we're talking about. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look and we're going to talk about Martha. I feel kind of bad for Martha. Hopefully when we get to heaven, she doesn't like, hey, why are you talking about me from the pulpit? But we're going to take a look and we're going to try to draw some, some uh, teaching points for us as we serve things, in this case, unfortunately with Martha, things that we shouldn't do. So let me read it. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. All right. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Very interesting. All right. Let me tell you the main point of this morning's message, all right? This is what we want to take away from this morning. We glorify God when we serve Him and one another with the right attitude. Simple. We glorify God when we serve Him and we serve one another with the right attitude. So it's not enough to just serve, but we are to serve with the right attitude. And I've said this before, but I really believe that God is much more interested in who we are than in what we do. God is much more interested in who we are in our heart and our attitude towards Him and others than in what we do. God is not impressed with what we do. <laughs> I hope I'm not breaking anybody's heart. God is not impressed with what we do. God our Father is impressed with one thing, and that is what His Son did for us at the cross. Now we get to do these great things for His kingdom, and He is pleased in, in things, but impressed? Probably not. So what should be our right attitude? That's what we want to uh, mention here. Uh, let's jump right to it. So when serving, we must look out for the danger of, and then I'm going to talk about five, five points. When we are serving, we need to look out for the dangers of. And I'm going to share with you really out of verse 40. But, but before we get into verse 40, let me mention a couple of things. little context. I mentioned some things already, but listen to verse 38. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now I think that's pretty cool. Right? Jesus would go to different villages all the time. He had a crew with him. And here's Martha 
And, and why not Mary? How come Lazarus didn't welcome them? Why wasn't Martha? Martha, maybe she was the oldest in her family. Uh, maybe when you read and get to know her a little bit, you probably realize that she was a bit commanding. You know, she took control of things. And so, so she hears that Jesus is in town, and she welcomes him into her house. He doesn't have a place to stay. Everywhere he went, he kind of depended on people. He allowed people to welcome him into their home. And so she welcomes him in. And I think that's admirable. That's a great thing. That's something very positive that we could say about Martha. Anybody else could have welcomed him in, but she took the initiative and you know, convinced them or offered, and he accepted to come into her house. And I think that's important because... Uh, I, I wonder if, if I was Martha, if I lived in that town at that time and Jesus came into town, what would my attitude have been? And sometimes we have the attitude when it comes to serving, like, ah, you know, my house is not quite ready, right? Or, no, you know what, the guy down the street has a much bigger house, big living room, better accommodations, let it that person welcome him. I mean, I don't think she had perfect circumstances, but she went out and said, Lord, would you please come into my house? And the Lord accepted. And I think that's the first thing that we have to do, right? If we're going to serve, we're going to see a need and we're going to step up and do it and not allow these voices, whether from within or from without, to convince you why you shouldn't serve, why you should let somebody else just pass the buck. You know, somebody else will do it. Mike will do it, you know. <laughs> you take initiative. You see a need, step up. You have perfect circumstances? Nobody does. Nobody ever does. And we've talked about that. If you wait for your life to be perfect, you're going to wait a long time. And then before, you're going to be in the Lord's presence thinking like, ah, oh, I was almost there. I was about to start serving. Lord, give me some more time. That's not how it works. Just get to it now. So she welcomes him in. That's a great thing. Then verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And then let's get to verse 40. Verse 40, we're going to take five points. They all start with the letter C in case that helps in your note-taking, your mental note-taking, and you'll be able to remember. These are things that we must look out for when we are serving. So I'll read verse 40. But Martha, see that but right there? But Martha. So the author here is making a distinction, a comparison between Mary who sat at Jesus' feet to listen and then, and then the next word is, but Martha. So here's Mary who did the right thing, but then there's Martha. We're being introduced to a comparison here. We want, he wants us to compare what the right thing was and what the wrong thing in this circumstances was. It's, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Very interesting, Martha. Very interesting, Martha. There's a book out there called How to Be a Mary in a Martha World. I think that's what it is for the longest time. And I've never read it, but I did hear uh, uh, the author, I think it was on Focus on the Family, talk about the book. And, and I think the title just kind of says it, right? How to Be a Mary in a Martha's World. There's so many distractions and so many things that call for your attention, and it's hard to be a Mary. It's hard to, to be someone that just says, I'm going to drop everything and just sit at Jesus' feet and listen and see what he has for me. And there's so many applications for us in that, even within our church. I'll say this, you know in our church, we have a saying that hasn't quite gone all the way out there yet, so let me say it here. When it comes to church service, we want you to attend one and serve the other. 
if, especially if you're bilingual, that gives you an opportunity to choose. You want to come to the English service at 9 or do you want to come to the Spanish service at 10.30? You can come to either one and serve in the other. If, if, you're, um, if you're not bilingual, then you could come to the service that you understand, obviously, and then you could see about serving in the other one if it's possible. But the point here is that we want you to make sure that you make it a priority to sit at Jesus' feet, not at my teaching, but at Jesus' teaching through the Holy Spirit. I'm just a representative here. I'm just a tool that God uses for now to share his word with you. You're here to sit and to listen and to see what God has for you. Never mind the speaker. If, if, if I go on vacation and it's somebody else, it doesn't matter. It's God's word that's being preached out of this pulpit. And your job is to come and, and listen, not run around and be distracted. So, here it is. When serving, we must look out for the dangers of, number one, becoming complacent towards God. Complacency is so dangerous. Now, what do I mean by complacency? Verse 40 says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. How is that being complacent? I believe that's being complacent. See, she welcomed him in. She had him at her house, but she wasn't at his feet listening to his teaching. So what was she doing then? Why invite the greatest teacher and master of all time if you're not going to listen to him? She welcomed him. She wanted to have some kind of interaction or relationship. But then when she has him right there, she gets distracted and busy with other things and stressed out, and she's missing out on the one thing that is important. And beloved, you could be sitting right here, and your mind is somewhere completely different. You're worried about your bills. You're worried about your relationships. You're worried about your health. You're worried about this. And all of those things may be legitimate and important. But are you sitting at Jesus' feet now that he's so close? Are you listening? Or are you complacent in your relationship with him? That means... A little bit of Jesus is enough for me. I already went to church. That's enough. Oh, you want me to pay attention too? What? You didn't say that. How is church? I hope, I hope you have somebody that asks you, how's church today? You should have somebody that would ask you, like, hey, so what did you think of service? What did you think about the message? What message? <laughs> what do you mean what message? All right. Complacency is very dangerous, beloved. And I would dare say that we're all complacent. Before I start thinking like, I wonder if I'm complacent or not. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Let's say 99.99% of us are complacent. To different degrees, perhaps, but we're complacent. Some, somewhere in our mind, we've managed to think that whatever amount of Jesus we're getting is enough. Otherwise, we would be always consistently in, in, in hot pursuit of Jesus. When we're not doing that, we've become complacent. Somehow, we've managed to believe that whatever it is that we have in our relationship with God is enough. And we should never feel like that, beloved. Never feel like that. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4. It says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Remember that verse? That you have left your first love. 
Maybe some of us remember what it felt like to, to have this new found relationship with Christ and we were maybe on fire reading the word and wanting to be at church and then all of a sudden it's like, ah, oh, you know, I have this party to go to and I have this thing that happened the night before and ooh, I got to work and, and then before you know it, you become complacent and you're no longer pursuing Christ with all your heart. You've left your first love, perhaps. You've become complacent. Something, whatever it is you have, has become good enough. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13, we love 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Great. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Great. 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. I didn't know that was there. I, can we just stop at 11? When you seek me with all your heart is when you're going to find the type of relationship that God wants with you when we are seeking him with all of our heart. When we get rid of this complacency and we go all out forward seeking him. And we're never going to quite reach him or get to the point of perfect Christ-likeness, but that's why we continue on. And we, when we realize that we're so far from perfect Christ-likeness, we will continue to go forward and not become complacent and just say, this is enough for me. When serving, we must look out for the danger of becoming complacent towards God. Mary felt having him in my house, the Lord himself, was good enough. Yeah, he's teaching, but mm, I'll watch the recording later. I'm not recording or anything. It was good enough for her to have him close, but she was missing out on the most important thing, beloved. And I hope that's not you, but I'm telling you, that could be all of us at any time if we're not careful. When serving, we must look out for the danger, not just of complacency, but also point number two, of wanting too much control. Oh boy, you know when you serve and somebody gives you a title, I am the senior whatever at Cross Point Christian Church. Therefore, do as I say. I am the supreme leader, yeah, what, of this ministry? No. Beloved, all of us are brothers and sisters. God has given us certain gifts and talents to exercise for the benefit of the body, but Christ is the head of the church and every ministry here. Who's in charge? Every once in a while I get somebody that says, like, so who's in charge here? Or Christ is. No, 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 but for real, like, who's in charge? Like, yeah, Christ is in charge. And the ultimate authority here is him through his word. And the elders in our church, they're Christ's representatives who are responsible for the well-being of the church. But Christ is the church. Don't ever forget that. Oh, but I help with the children's ministry. Christ is the head of that. I'm part of this ministry. Christ is the head of that. He's in charge. You have certain responsibilities, but he's in charge. Why do I say that? Mary, boy. And I don't know if this is more of a gender thing. I say gender from the pulpit. Is that a scary term now? Will I get in trouble? <laughs> but I know when I have people over the house, it's scary, right? One of the scariest things is people show up in your house and just ring the bell or knock on your door and it's like, Whoa. it's the Doolittles outside our house. What do you mean outside the house? Yeah. And then I don't know what happens in your house. I'm sure all of you guys are good, ready to roll. It's, just, it's almost like, it's, and we worry about, you know, we're going to have a party. 
Those are stressful, aren't they? It's supposed to be fun. It's for the children. And that's probably the most stressful thing, just getting the house ready because people are going to come over and they're going to notice stuff and see things. And it's like, it was fine before. Why do I have to fix it now? All right, all right. It's probably what a man would say, huh? All right, but, she, but here Martha gets distracted, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone, therefore tell her to help me. There is a danger anytime you're serving. See, there's power, there's like responsibility, but there's also power in that you're serving, you're doing something, and, and maybe see God working in that, and you start feeling like, oh, this is my thing, I need to take control of it. And the danger is that wanting too much control, Obviously, we don't want to be uncommitted towards our ministries either, but I'm talking about having too much control. In this case, Martha forsook the teaching of the Lord because she wanted to get things done. And not only that, not only does she show too much control in that, but then she sees Mary, and she doesn't like what Mary's doing, so she wants to control Mary, and Mary should be helping me. What is she doing at the Lord's feet? What's wrong with her? And not only that, but then she goes to the Lord and she wants to control him. Like, don't you care about what's happening here? Tell her. Tell her to help me. Oh, my God. I don't know how she said it. She couldn't have said it nice enough, though, right? This is the Lord. Do you not care? She's probably thinking, like, who did I just invite into my house? This guy doesn't even care about me. Tell her. Control freak. What in the world? She wants to control everything and everyone. I know there's nobody here like that. <laughs> the reality is there's a danger in all of us. And I would say the same thing. All of us, when we're serving, probably need to walk that tightrope of responsibility, commitment, but also being careful not to be trying to exert too much control over things. It's the Lord's work. And I know that's hard. Let me mention a couple of things. Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's kind of the problem with control, right? It's like things should be done the way you understand them and want them to be. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. The idea of controlling things are so dangerous. Because ultimately, beloved, you'll learn, we'll learn soon enough that this false sense of control that you have is really not that. When you learn to trust that God is in control, things change for you. No matter what's happening, no matter what you're doing, God is in control. You're not. I mean, all it takes is a phone call from your doctor after you did that blood work, and you realize, what? What? Or a call from your boss saying your services are no longer needed. Or a call from your kids saying something weird. And then you realize, oh my goodness, all this stuff that I thought I was in control over, not so. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't lean on your own understanding. Let me continue. So when serving, we must look out for the danger of complacency, control, and then point number three, a spirit of complaining. A spirit of complaining. I know there's no complainers here either, but we are all in danger of complaining. Having pity parties about how I'm the only one that cares in this church. 
Like nobody picks up the trash and nobody does this and nobody does that and there's so many of us and I have to do everything. And did you know that's normal or that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, natural to all of us to want to have these pity parties. A spirit of complaining. I was going to say crying. Like that famous A League of Their Own movie, if you ever saw that. Like no crying in baseball, Tom Hanks, that famous, it's not crying in baseball. There's no crying in serving. The Lord would say that. There's no crying in serving me. You're a servant of mine. How could you be complaining or crying about what you're doing? You're supposed to be doing that. You're a servant. But I said complaining instead. And here, Martha goes up to the Lord and says, do you not care? Look at me. Poor me. She's, my sister's not even helping me. I'm having to do everything. I'm exhausted. I would want to be at your feet, but I can't because I'm doing all this stuff because she's not doing anything. Don't you care? And all this whining and this complaining, this crying. And I'm pretty sure that you've been, if you've been in some kind of service ministry, you've experienced some of that. You know, you want to complain and you want to, I was going to tell you a story, but now we don't have time for that. All right. I'm pretty sure that you can identify with this spirit of complaining. Um, I'll just mention that in 1 Kings 19.10, Elijah complains to the Lord. He says, ah, these people have killed your prophets and they've done all this and I alone am left. You got to read that story so you can know what the Lord was like. What are you talking about? I have 7,000 people that have not bowed their knees. But, but Elijah had that attitude. Moses had that attitude in Exodus 5 verses 22 and 23. I'll read this one. It says, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is, why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this, these people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. And complaining. Natural to us. It's natural to us to want to complain, but don't do it. The Lord will take a hold of that. Before I know, you'll be a complainer. You'll complain about everything You'll find something to complain about if you're not careful. And, and every time you complain, what, what's happening is that you're feeding your ego. You're complaining and you're making yourself, I'm the only one. Don't you care, Lord? Got to be careful. Point number four. So not only do we have to be careful with complacency, with too much control, or a spirit of complaining, but also point number four, a desire to compare ourselves to compare ourselves in our work. So there we are working, and some of us enjoy doing things right, and we should. But not at the expense of other people. If you find that nobody does the work like you do, you're going to have a hard time working with anybody. Now, how do you get people to do better? Oh, that's a leadership quality right there. And instead of complaining about people, exercise some leadership and help them get better. So much to say about that, but I can't. A desire to compare ourselves. Basically, Martha goes to the Lord and says, after she's already bitter about Mary not helping, and she goes and tells the Lord, look at Mary. Look at what I'm doing. Look at everything that I'm doing, and look at her doing nothing, just sitting there. Tell her. And beloved, we have that same problem. We can have that same problem of comparing ourselves. Look, look at everybody else. Look at what I, And it's always going back to us, to our ego and our arrogance. Look at us. We're not as bad as them. John 21, 21, 22, Peter, after the Lord, you know, that famous 
uh, incident where the Lord tells him, do you love me? And Peter three times says, Lord, you know, I like you. And he says, well, feed my sheep. And, and after the Lord kind of gives him this little spiritual whooping to Peter, you, you would think Peter understood. All right, Peter, focus on me, serve me, love me. And right after that, Peter, seeing him, John, says to Jesus, but Lord, what about this guy? What about this man? Talking about uh, John. And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So the Lord just dealt with Peter individually. And the first thing Peter does, and he says, okay, but what about him? And basically the Lord says, what do you care? That's none of your business. I'll take care of him. You worry about me. You follow me. What a lesson for us. When you start feeling like, Lord, but what about them? And what about this ministry? What about those people? What about, I think the Lord will say the same thing. What do you care? Focus on me and you follow me. And you want to do something about them? Help them get better. Help them grow. Lead them. Don't complain. Don't compare yourself. It's very dangerous. Last point, becoming conceited. Ooh. Becoming conceited. Mary somehow thinks it's okay to go to the Lord and say, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Tell her. I don't know if anybody sees something wrong with that. But you don't go to the Lord and tell him, tell her to help me. She's commanding him. Who does she think she is? And I wonder if any of us ever do that. We tell the Lord what to do. What do your prayers sound like? Is it a bunch of you telling the Lord what to do? If it is, you need to repent from that. And we need to learn our place. He's in charge. It's his work. For us, it's a privilege to be able to serve him in whatever capacity, beloved. So she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, who do you think you are? He didn't say that. I that's what I would have said. Don't you know who I am? Who do you think you are telling me? I mean, when one of your kids, especially if the younger, comes and tells you, you know, Dad, tell her to, what? Hold it right there. I'm going to tell her something because you tell her, tell him something. Anyway, be careful to not become conceited. Romans 12, 3, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I beseech, I give each of you this warning. This is the NLT. Don't think you are better than what you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. That's Romans 12, 3 in the NLT. 1 Peter 5, 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. 1 Timothy 3, 6 says, speaking of elders and people in authority, he must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Serving, with serving comes the danger of becoming conceited. Look at what I've done. Look at what I do. Look at what God has prospered me. Look how well I'm doing this job. You've got to be very careful. Beloved, we have to serve. That's what we've been called for. We are to serve, but there's some dangers that we need to be careful with. But serve well. Serve humbly, faithfully, and joyfully. Understand that we get to serve the Lord. We ain't got to serve the Lord. We get to serve the Lord. How do you know if you're doing a good job? Is there joy in your heart? Are you doing that of gratitude? Are you, are you willing to submit to one another and serve one another? It's a privilege and it's a must if we're going to call ourselves children and disciples of Jesus Christ.
I hope this is helpful. But, uh, you know, later on, Mary seems to get her act together. And uh, later on, we see her serving, and there's no mention about her bad attitude or anything like that. And she was a special individual to the Lord. You know, it is to her that Jesus tells her one of my favorite verses, John eleven twenty five. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Jesus shared that with Martha. So... Let's serve, but let's serve well. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we are grateful to you for all of your blessings, for allowing us to be part of your kingdom, your family, and your work. But we pray that you would help us for the rest of our lives as we commit ourselves to serving you and serving this world with your love and sharing the gospel and and meeting people's needs. We ask for your help. We need you. We need your protection and your guidance that we would do it well. We thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you're doing in us and through us, and all that you've promised to bless us with. We pray that you would dismiss us with your blessing. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.